Welcome into the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. Overtime coming at you for the next two hours right here on Fan Run Radio. Jake Miller alongside producer Matthew and intern Bryson. Tennessee falls to Vanderbilt on a last second three-point shot in Nashville. And, you know, I was told this was the best Tennessee team of the century. Some even said it was the best Tennessee team ever. I got told that I didn't know anything about basketball. Bryson, you were told that you didn't know anything about basketball. I got called a frat boy D-bag that has a <laughs> comb over and croakies. First of all, it's not a comb over. I was told that my fraternity didn't teach me anything about basketball. We were told we were idiots. We were told that we were dumbasses. And everyone that posted those tweets, all of a sudden, those tweets went away. Hey, hey, digital footprint lasts forever. Oh, buddy, I got the receipts. Yeah, the receipts last forever. Especially um, for the guy that called me a frat boy D-bag that is sitting there with a guitar and a shirt that's about ten sizes too small with his belly poking out of it. So, basically, what we saw last night was um, a little bit more offense. I'll give it that. But we were told that we had an elite defense. That elite defense held Auburn to 43 points. But that elite defense also gave up 66 last night to a more inferior Vanderbilt team. Tennessee had a couple players there, maybe I think even three in double digits. But the fact of the matter is we did not win the ball game. And we lost in a very, very bad way. And I was talking with Bryson about this before the show. Matthew, are you familiar with Jerry Green and his last season at Tennessee? No, I have no idea who that is. So Jerry Green was the coach in the late 90s. He had taken over after Wade Houston and Kevin O'Neill. And this guy had the team in the top 10 all year. And around this time, they fell out of the top 10. And of their last eight games, starting with the first one, they lost five straight. Bounced in the second round of the SEC tournament and bounced in the first round of the NCAA tournament. I'm getting major Jerry Green vibes from this team, especially after throwing Julian Phillips under the bus last night. Listen, if he did that, there's a reason he did that. Was it coached out of him what he was supposed to do? Are they playing scared? Because we said that last week. They look like they're playing scared. They look like they're playing tired. Nobody wanted to hear it back then. Playing tight. Yeah, and nobody wanted to hear it back then. No, we were all idiots last week. And guess what? Those same people are pretty damn quiet today. Yeah, I mean, it's either it's one or the other with Rick Barnes. You have great offense, terrible defense. You have either great defense, terrible offense. There's no in-between. There's no... Good defense, good offense. And that's what wins you championships. This team just does, I'll be honest, it doesn't move the needle for me. Not one player on this team moves the needle for me. Coach doesn't move the needle for me. No interest from me as a fan of this team. On this day, February 9th, I have one thing to say about this team, uh, and they are S-A-W-F-T, soft. Soft. And especially on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, we shot three free throws last night, and – it wasn't because the refs weren't blowing the whistle. It was because we are soft. I mean. Not getting to the line. We don't get to the line. That's no secret. We haven't done that 
since I mean I can't remember a game where we went to the line and shot the ball well. You probably have to go back to when a guy named Admiral Schofield or Grant Williams played here. A hundred percent. I mean, the last time you, we saw free throws like that was what when Grant had what forty against Vanderbilt and we won an overtime, went eighty eight to eighty three, and he shot like what twenty six of twenty eight or something from the free throw line. I think so. Yeah. Rick Barnes. I I really think that the game has just passed him, and we've been saying that. Uh, Jerry Stackhouse straight up outcoached him last night. We come out of a timeout, and Vescovi's lost. I mean, I get he was trying to play help side defense, picking up, being a rim protector, which is, you know, whatever. Let it's him tie the game. Is. It's, not a, it's not a rim protector. Like, I don't even know why he would go and help right there. Gives a wide open three. We lose. I mean, I. Uh, You're over it. I'm over it. I'm so over it. I'm I'm extremely upset. I watched the ending last night, the last play, probably six or seven times before I went to bed last night. And the most fire I saw to the team all night was after the game when some Vandy students came over, or fans, whatever, that rushed the court and started talking trash, and Viscovi shoves one of them. That's the most fire I saw to the team all night long. And, and he I didn't think do that's that during the game? No, he didn't do it during the game. He did it after the game. I'm, I'm tired of it. We're soft. We don't get to the line. We we don't run on offense. We pull the ball back out every single time and run our slow-paced offense. I'm tired of it. I'm bored of it. At this point, uh, I'm do- I'm done. I'll watch – I mean, I'll obviously watch the rest of the season, but literally whatever happens in March won't surprise me. It's just basic fundamentals on the last play. That it is. And just to be fair, I mean, we're not talking about one game here. We're talking about a combination – of the last few games that we've played, we're talking Florida. We're talking Kentucky. We're talking the win against Auburn, which was not good. And then last night. This is building up, and it's been building up for a long time. Right now, we want to hear from you. 865-546-8200, your number if you want to hop on the show. First up, we got Martin. What do you say, Martin? Yes, Jake. Martin. I need to know if you can help me out. What you need, Martin? The Celtics traded for Michael uh, Munez and, or oh, Mike, Mike Muscala. What's his name now? It's Ma- uh, Mike Muscala. Yeah, he came from the uh, the Thunder. The Celtics traded, I think, Justin Jackson. So basically, someone who's not playing for them for a uh, pretty do decent. You know his, do you know his stats? Uh, I could I could pull it up right now if he uh, okay. like He's pretty pretty good. Um, pretty good shooting big. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there you go, Martin. You're going to get you another big that can shoot. They played. When did the Celtics play? They played yesterday? Yes. Yes. They played the 76ers. Oh, I need to pull up the Thunder. Yeah, so a lot of trades going on right now. Uh, Josh Richardson, Martin, he's actually headed to New Orleans, to the Pelicans yes, from the I Spurs. Heard that earlier. And I think that'll be a good move for him. I mean, he's. Yes. I feel like at this point, he's just about played for every team in the NBA. He's. Not even close yeah, to that. You probably got him about fifty million dollars too. I wish I had fifty million dollars. Fifty million dollars would be nice. Yeah. This uh. Have you found a jet? Yes, sir. I'm pulling it up right now. It's just loading. It's uh. I have a slow app today. Uh, he averages uh six point two points from the field, three rebounds, forty three percent from the field, and then thirty nine from three. What's his name again? Mike Muscala. Mike Muscala? Yes, yes. sir. All right, thank you. Yes, thank sir. you, Martin. 
Sorry, Martin. I'm no help. I'm still too upset about last night. I haven't even thought about anything else other than how <laughs> terrible we are. <laughs> Let's get fake Bob in here next. What's up, man? So, it doesn't matter what sport. We're, when is a player at their best playing? It don't matter what sport. When is a player when, playing at their best? When they're not thinking right. When they're having it's fun, yes. Basically. Yes. Like, I know we've been talking about that this team looks like they're they're tired which I think that's part of it, but I think they're mentally tired more than anything. Because they're not having fun. Yeah, they're so worried about you make a bad pass, you get benched. Bad shot, you get benched. Defense mistake, you get benched. It don't matter. Like, they're they're so worried about making that mistake that they look over to the sideline during the game, during the play. And I think that was part of Julian Phillips last night. I, I think when he had that clear basically dunk 99 out of 100 times the player's going to take that dunk but i think in his mind he's probably like coach barnes is wanting me to run off the clock or what if i i missed this or something like that you know it's just i i think that's part of it yeah and then he gets thrown under the bus after the game even though that's what's been coached into him that did it for me you don't throw your players under the bus if you lose that's on you as a head coach. That's how it's always been. That's how it always should be. When you win, you give praise to the players. When you lose, you take the blame. And he, he's done that a couple times this season. Like when they lost or even in some wins, he'll, he'll throw players on the bus. We lost to Arizona. He threw Euros under the bus. Colorado, he threw his guy under the yeah. bus. Yeah. Yeah, it's like he never takes ownership of, because, I mean, even leading up to them situations, I mean, when we're trying to get the ball in bounds, we're, keep, we're, we're going further and further back down court towards Vanderbilt's side or the side of the court before we get that ball into Julian Phillips. It's like you can't draw with a better play than that. He's never been good at timeouts. No. Would, no. Would you would you agree, uh, us two, us three in the studio and fake Bob, that as a coach, you're the person that late game situations falls on. That's yeah, just basic, one hundred percent basic coaching fundamentals. Basic coaching, you go through late game situations in practice. Probably what in basketball? I mean, time what two, three times a week you do it, and you failed. That's like the mayday field goal. You practice it every single week. In these situations, you draw up a play towards the end of the game, coming out of a timeout. You know what you're supposed to do. I, I'm I'm over it, man. I'm over it. Well, I mean, even on that last shot from Vanderbilt, I mean, and this falls on on the seniors on that team. Like they they're they're supposed to be the leaders on the team, but they're they're not even doing what they're supposed to do. I mean, coming off the screen, Comhall don't even attempt to try to get in his way to make him at least take a half a step out of his way that could have ran the clock out. And gave him a free shot at the rim that made Viscovi like make the decision. I have to come over because it's a clear layup, which I would have rathered him just gave up the layup and took our chances in overtime. But once again, he has has it in the guy's mind. I've got to play defense until the very last second, or I'm going to get benched. You know. Mm-hmm. 
And then, of course, we leave a guy wide open in the corner with not a guy within 10 feet of him. That guy was shooting lights out, by the way, the whole game. Yeah. The one guy that was shooting lights out, they leave him wide open. Nobody within 10 feet of him. And it's just, and and I've never been like a Barnes basher or nothing like that. But last night, it was just, they talked about it on three and out this morning. I mean, the game's tied 60 to 60, and we come down court. And even though he had a decent game up to that point, instead of calling a play for one of your leaders on the team, he, he puts the ball in Toby Walker's hands and, like, go get us the basket. And it's just like, man, like, you don't put that pressure on that kid at that point. No, and then you got people on Twitter saying, oh, well, Toby is just not that guy. It's like, the guy had to reclass. The guy's only 18 years old. You put that pressure on him when you have a team assembled at this point of Santiago Vescovi. You got a talented freshman in Julian Phillips. You got Tyreek Key, who had a great game last night. And then you have veterans like Olivier Kamwa that you could have put the ball in the hands of anybody. Yeah, and then you put it in his hands. It's the most minutes he's played all season. He throws up a, a wild shot, barely nicks the rim, it hits the backboard, then they're coming down play defense, and so instead of Josiah running out there to clear the shooter, he points at Toby to run out there, and that's when they got that foul on the three-point shot. So it's like your senior leaders are not being leaders, and I, I'm I'm sad that Josiah got hurt, but, I mean, he played terrible last night. That he did, and, you know, going forward, it's like who is your leader on this team? And honestly, God, I think we're to the point now. You have to burn Freddie's red shirt. You need to get B.J. Edwards on the floor. DJ, DJ Burns. Or DJ, DJ Jefferson, Jefferson, excuse yes. me. Yeah. So, those guys, if they can shoot, if they can make shots, just get them in the game. Why are we even asking this question in February? Who the leader on this team is? That, that, Your guess is as good as mine. This is like a December question. Dude, this really should be a preseason question. Yeah. This is something we should have been talking about in October. Yeah, you're asking this late in the season. It we are just who we are, and uh, on our way out, what are y'all's predictions on uh, the remaining schedule? What what do you think our record's going to be? I'll be happy if we go four and three in this stretch, and I'll hang up and listen. Ooh. We have seven games left, correct? Yes. Missouri um, coming up. Alabama comes down next week. Man, are you saying? I mean, you got Arkansas coming up. You got Auburn again. I really think to go good or feel good going into March, you got to go five and two. It at the least, yeah. At the least, you have to go five and two. The games you would probably drop is Auburn and Alabama. Let me tell you, that's a pipe dream right now. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it is because that means you have to go into Rupp and win. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, get me, Philly! I've been waiting on this call all day. I woke up this morning ready for a Phil call. What do you say, Philly? Jake the Snake. Philly. Well, I guess we're under misery today, ain't we? <laughs> well, Phil, I mean, this just proves that, you know, we tried to warn these people, you know, that we're saying this is the best Tennessee team ever. Like, no, it's not. Like, this is a very inconsistent team. Yeah, they might play good defense, but our shots are not going to fall enough for us to maintain a top five presence. They're not going to fall enough to get us that number one seed. They're not going to, you know – you know what I'm saying, Phil. I'm yeah, over it, well, Phil. 
Sounds like Matt's moving up in the world there, don't it? Pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Matthew Bryson. I mean, this is the thing, Phil. And when we get Billy Wilford in here, when we do Wilford oh, Wednesdays, oh, Phil, I got me a crew. Oh, <laughs> Billy Wilford, that's the, that's the best thing ever come out of radio, you know? I mean, there's a reason I talk to him on a daily basis, Phil. Well, tell him hi when you talk to him. He said he admires your calls. He admires your knowledge of the game of basketball. Well, there's not many people that know basketball. We've been telling people all season this uh, this was going to happen, and it sure enough did. Well, I mean, Phil, I got those same people that were chirping at me a few weeks ago, chirping at me last week, and chirping at me on Saturday. They were awfully damn quiet last night and today. Well, well. well because I knew I was right. Well, all I see, this is all Rick Barnes. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and blame players or, you know. Uh, he, he's the one that recruited this roster. He's the one that constructed this team. So, it's and he's making the big money. So, it's all on his shoulders. Well, and he's coached the flair out of Santiago Vescovi. And has he coached the ability out of Julian Phillips? And Tyreek Key. And Tyreek Key. Well, I, I mean, there was a digress this year. That's a really good point. We've not even mentioned him hardly any at all. Me playing Maybe. less, and you need a rim protector in there, and he's playing less. And uh, uh, Toby, I love Toby, but he shouldn't have to play the five. He's not big enough to play the five. He ought to be playing the four exclusively. I'd agree with that. Yes. Absolutely. But our guards are not athletic enough, and they're slow compared to other SEC's, uh guards mostly. That, I mean, let's call it like it is, Phil. We've only got one point guard that's actually in the rotation right now. You've got one that's sitting on the bench, and then you've got another good guard in Freddie Buckets. I mean, the guy's nickname is Freddie Buckets for a reason, Phil, because he can get you shots. Well, is Barnes going to try to save the season? I mean, is he just going to go down like – you know, this is very similar to Jerry Green's last year at Tennessee – I think Tennessee was ranked about number four in the country. They were. They were ranked number four, and then they plummeted. They beat Alabama here in Knoxville uh, that year, and then they they fell off the table. You know what's funny, Phil, is I was at the first game that year against Chattanooga. Really? Yes. And I remember those last eight games, the first five of them they lost. And that's what I was saying to these guys a few minutes ago, is like this has major Jerry Green vibes written all over it. Well, the question I'll be asked is Rick Barnes taking this program as far as he can take it. Now, I, I don't see him firing him, but uh, hopefully the, he, he'll get be smart enough to retire here pretty soon. Well, Phil, if he comes out in a press conference and he says, if you don't like what I'm doing, then you can go to Kmart, we uh, we know what's about to happen. <laughs> uh, Rick Barnes ain't going to do that, but Rick Barnes is the most arrogant person, uh, well, since former, about, you know, it's been on that campus. I don't, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that at all. And it's it shows, Phil, like when you come out in your press conference after the game and you throw Julian Phillips under the bus, when you yeah. know good and well that you've coached him to do what he did and you've got him playing scared, you, you have to expect that. And to blame an 18, 19-year-old kid, whatever he is, I mean, that's just terrible. Yeah, Muscovy uh... – uh, went to bed twice there at the, in the last minutes. Yep. Would you say? Would Would you agree that a coach throwing his players under the bus blatantly and blatantly 
every almost what three games this season. Yeah, the ones we mentioned yeah. last night: the, Arizona with Euros, and then Colorado. He threw Zakai under the bus. Why would why would top ranked recruits want to come here and get thrown under the bus by their own coach and lose their draft stock? Yes. And what's really funny is former players have tweeted after games when Barnes has done this. Lamonte said, Turner was well, one Lamonte. of them. Yeah. I mean, he picked on Lamonte all the time while he was here, and when he finally or when he left and picked on Zakai after Colorado, Lamonte said, "Hey, man, that's not cool." Like. This got to fall on you a little bit too. Yeah, and he uh, he got so he said Lamonte Turner fouled the 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 uh, Ed, well, the who's the kid from uh, Purdue Edwards Carson Edwards. Edwards. Yeah, I mean he didn't he didn't uh, uh, he didn't back his player up at all. Who wants to That's play for a disgrace. coach like that? Who wants to play for a coach like that? Did he even back his players have his players backs? I played for coaches like that, and it was not a fun experience. Oh. Judge don't anybody. I mean, they won't call you a frat or whatever. Just tell them the real reason you know basketball. You know what that is? Why is that, Phil? You're from Campbell County, and you know, and you knew Keith Hatfield. That's all you need to say. That Keith was my cousin. Well, he was a, he was a basketball gavage. Yep. I mean, that's thing is, Phil. We know our basketball up there. Well, we know it over here in South Knoxville, and uh, uh, but. All honesty, uh, Tennessee fans, most of them are football fans, and they know nothing up there. Dumber and dirt about basketball. <laughs> <laughs> he said it, not me. Stay with us. Overtime continues. More fan run radio on the way. Back here on Overtime, fan run radio. Let's go back to the Big Orange Phillies phone lines. Connor is next. What do you say, Connor? How are we feeling after that last night? Uh, not good. That that <laughs> really bothered me. Not good at all. I honestly, I genuinely feel bad for Julian Phillips. Number one, getting his draft stock and talent just snatched. Number two, getting thrown under the bus last night for doing exactly what he should have done. Well, and it's what he was coached to do as well. I mean, let's let's not hold anything back here. I mean, he was coached to do that. Yes. Otherwise, he, he wouldn't have been scared to do what he should have done, what he's able to do as a five-star athlete, something he's probably done a hundred times before. One thousand percent. Same thing I've been harping on, been trying to preach on, Rick Barnes killing confidence. But he did exactly what he needed to do last night, gets chewed out for it, and then to end the game, Vescovy comes over to try to triple-team a dude on a layup, leaving his dude wide open, and no one even says anything about that. Who was the hottest guy on the court last night? Yeah, who's and the dude driving down the lane was already in the process of getting double teamed. So what if he makes the layup, play in overtime, and for some reason come over and triple team and lead dude wide open in the corner? Makes yes. no sense. So what if he gets a contested shot? So what? You, you tip your cap to him, man. He makes a contested layup, you say, okay, we'll go play in overtime. Or if he hits a contested three, I'd rather them have made a miraculous shot last night than a wide open three. Agreed, 1,000%. And something that also really bothered me last night is, I can't remember, it was either after the Texas game or after the Auburn game, Rick Barnes specifically addressed in the post-game conference how much he appreciated and how big Jemai Meshack had played and how he needed him, and then he barely even played him last night. I was going to say, what did he do last night? Yeah, didn't, I mean, he barely even put him in the game last night. I was going to say, what did he have, two more points than me? Yeah, probably. I mean, 
same thing everybody else has been trying to say. Nobody on that team, it just feels like nobody really wants to win. Everybody's just kind of hanging around, just seeing what's out there. Well, and Connor, like we said, those people that were chirping at you, myself, Bryson, everybody last week and the week before, they're awfully quiet right now. And tweets have been deleted. Yeah, 1,000%. It actually does turn out that to win the basketball game, you have to have more points than the other team. And no matter how good your defense is, eventually down the road, it's going to get broken down as the time goes on. I mean, and that's just like uh, one of the things that got put out there. Um, I guess it would have been after the Florida game. It's like Tennessee wins that game 74-68 to based on shot quality. It's like, okay, well, that's kind of counterproductive to your argument because if they're quality shots, we should be knocking them down, and we're not which makes the argument even worse on their end. 100%. They also argue about how good defense is. Here's the thing. If your defense is so good that you hold the team to zero points, but you also score zero points, <laughs> you still do not win. Connor, all Rick Barnes had to do last night and that final timeout was, hey, Tyron Lawrence is the hottest guy on the court in the stadium in the city of Nashville. Do not Don't let him, let him get shoot open. the ball. And we let him wide open to shoot the ball. It, it, it truly is mind-boggling. I, I don't understand it. I really don't get it. And something else that I think gets really overlooked and overshadowed is we don't realize as fans or as just anybody in general, I don't think we put enough to it, but Kim English and Mike Schwartz were literally the heart and soul of our past Tennessee team. They were like holding a force-filled shield over Rick Barnes, and we don't appreciate them enough. Now that's a take I agree with. That's that's interesting. There's been a lot of assistant coaches for many teams. But they leave, everything all of a sudden just goes bad. I mean, you look at Alabama football. What happens when Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian, Kirby Smart, or Jeremy Pruitt aren't on that sideline? What happened? Things start going south. Yeah, I just, I mean, we never should have been in the position last night to lose on a buzzer beater three, but – at the end of the day, we found ourselves in that spot, and I just the way we lost. I mean, it was just horrible. Well, that's the thing is, people want to blame, you know, one play or this play or another play. It's like, listen, if you just done what you were supposed to do all game, you wouldn't have been in that situation to begin with. Exactly. But granted, we were in well, that, we, like you said, we were in that spot, and we didn't. I mean, the moment might have been too big. I don't know. I mean, not even that, but I think. Because I've been seeing people being like, oh, he should have dunked it, he shouldn't have dunked it. I think, personally, I think Julian Phillips did the correct thing. He had two dudes crashing at him. He was They were going to contest his dunk layup, whatever it was. The refs hadn't really been calling a whole lot the night anyway. Worst case scenario, he misses, then they only have that much more time. I think he did the correct thing. And then the Scobie, one of our supposed to be one of our better shooters, gets free of foul and gets a free throw. It's literally free. No one is guarding you. That's why they call it a free throw. Easiest shot in basketball. Shoots it off the back of the rim like a seven-foot center. I mean, the thing with Vescovy is, you know, he's got the flair coached out of him. When he first got here, he had flair. I think, well, I think Vescovy, personally, I think ever since the Michigan game last year in the tournament, Michigan literally snatched his soul. He's never been the same. He's really they took his been. confidence. They took everything away from him that game. Con- what was that one game that sticks with you? Connor, you learn a lot yeah. about teams in one-possession games, and we hadn't had one yet this year until last night. And I learned everything about this team that I didn't already know in the last four seconds of that game. After we missed Sky Clark on the recruiting trail and then 
still could not go get Yuri Collins, I felt bad going into the year ever since we missed on both of those dudes. Well, that's a really good point. Not to mention, you know, you've got another point guard sitting over there on the bench that he's not going to play. You've got three talented freshmen right now that could probably go out and make some shots, but he's not playing them because, quote-unquote, they're not ready. Like, well, right now it doesn't look like anybody's ready. Why not roll uh, yeah. the dice? Yeah. Salvage I'm just the tired season. Of, I don't care. If we lose 94 to 95 or 87 to 86, that's fine. I'll be happy with that. But I'm not happy with losing 64 to 58 or 52 to 55. Like, it's a D1 college basketball team. You should be scoring more than 50 and 60 points. Agreed. And especially when you watch the Lady Vols, even though they lost, putting up 90 against Mississippi State. I mean, we put up 99 against Gonzaga. What happened? What the hell happened? They were playing like themselves at the beginning of the Kyrie year. Kyrie Key was still very fresh to Rick Barnes and <laughs> was yeah. not like had this confidence burned out of him yet. Scored like 30. Oh, man. Yep. But, hey, on the bright side, I know. I know it's not really, it's kind of a soft subject, but Chris Beard, get him at a discount right now. <laughs> but now, I was actually talking with Bryson before the show, and right now, Nate Oates is gettable. Oh, 1,000%. He is 100% gettable right now. I get I get him and Musselman confused. Musselman is Arkansas, correct? Correct, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it would, it would take a little bit to get Nate Oates, but he's definitely out there. He can be gotten. Well, you know what Rick Barnes' buyout is right now? What is that? $22 million, I'm pretty sure. And guess what the buyout for Nate Oates is? What? Five. Yeah, I can handle that for sure. Connor's going to stroke the check. Make it happen. I, I, I mean, I, I will sign the check. If the school will pay for it, I'll sign it. However, <laughs> that, that does lead into it. That does actually, that is a very good point. Rick Barnes, I feel like, is one of those guys. He's not a true player's coach because he's always, like, he just tries to go find the guys that are, like, gritty, scrappy, like, tough dudes that want to get in there and just mix it up compared to, like, the Bruce Pearl, Nate Oates, Musselman, the dudes that are, like, players' coaches that players genuinely love to play for because they let them run and gun and play their own style of the game. It's a very interesting point. I'll say Nate, Nate Oates' buyout changed. It did. Yes, it went up to. I just looked this up. It went up to twelve million. That's still a discount. Yeah, half price, fifty percent off. Yeah. But and I don't want to see Tennessee lose. I really don't. None of us do. That's the thing is, we want the team to win. I haven't been this upset about a basketball game since Michigan. I do want. I want them to win one thousand percent. I'm a realist. At the end of the day, I've called this team like I've seen it from the beginning. But you know, none of them want to win. They just turned Thompson Bowen into a funeral home. Like, crack a bell. Gonna pay the price eventually. Change it into a bingo hall, basically. <laughs> Bring but, your like pet said, to Thompson Bowen. Y'all get the check. Y'all call the school, get the check going, and I will sign off on it. Well, all we need is some money. <laughs> and Shiba Inu is not doing well right now. I'll give him a 1% uh, down payment. Hmm. <laughs> no, Shiba Inu, you don't want none of that. Oh, man. Nah, I've, 
that's one of those things that it did really well for me in the last month. And then today, it seems like that, and along with everything else in the portfolio, just tanked. I'm going to give you a good one, sleeper pick right here. What you got? This is not advice. This is not advice, but a, a stock by the ticker of FLNG, an oil and energy company. We just had three congressmen uh, put in huge orders under the radar for it, so uh, be on the lookout for that. All right, the, Pol- <laughs> the Pelosi stock tracker. <laughs> oh man. But uh, yeah, y'all have a good one. Appreciate the phone call, Connor. Oh man. I've not heard the Pelosi stock tracker in a second. Ooh, she, she's out of office, but still making moves. Absolutely. Stay with us. Overtime continues. More of your phone calls coming up. You- Back here on Overtime, Fan Run Radio, and back to the Big Orange Phillies phone lines we go. Daniel is next. What do you say, Daniel? How y'all doing this evening? Bad! You know, um, I was doing my taxes in the second half, um, and I, I was you know, checking in to have the game. It really, I, I, listen, um, I just... I couldn't really put the blame on Barnes for that game, for that loss. Um, but I do think what happened is a, is a byproduct of him, though. You know what I'm saying? So, like, ergo, it does go on him, but I'm not blaming him for the loss. I mean, the guy, I mean, but I do think that Julian Phillips misses that, doesn't go for that dunk because he's too afraid of whatever repercussions will be or whatever. I mean, I do think that Barnes is in the head – the guys offensively, I do. I just genuinely do. I 100% agree. And that's what we've been preaching really for for a few weeks now. It's like these guys, they're playing scared. They're playing tired. They're afraid to make a mistake. And you know what it's really like? It's like, you know, getting a puppy from the shelter. And they know they have the ability to do something, but they're so afraid to do it because they're afraid of what might happen if they do something wrong. I, I just I agree with with Russ and you and a lot of people that have said and, and it, you know and here's a thing that's never made sense to me it never made sense to bring in Freddie D Freddie DeLeon in um, at the midterm enrolled to not play the guy it, it, like Jarnell Stokes enrolled mid uh, midterm he played uh, Santiago enrolled you know early he played. Midterm enrollee plays. I, it just don't make no sense why you enroll the guy. It's like it's like having, and it's like Brent, you know Brandon Henley Hassel last year to 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 forego you know one year of, of high school to early, to early enroll to not even use him. I, I, it 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 literally it, it makes no sense to me. Well, look at NJ Tomba. We had that guy reclass as a three star. They knew that he was not going to play last year. They made him reclass anyway, and then they tell him to leave. What was the point in that? There was absolutely yeah, I, no reasoning behind that whatsoever. No, no, I don't get it. I really don't. I don't. I don't know why you bring Freddie Dillion in at the midterm and you don't plan on using him. I mean, I, I don't know, but I'm not, I, I agree with Russ wholeheartedly. And you got to do something else. Something's got to be done. I mean, this lineup isn't working. Uh, 
is is uh, you're playing as Ziggler way too many minutes because you got to. You don't got to back up, and that's your pro- and that's and that's on Rick Barnes for not getting you know whatever whatever happened with Yuri Collins or whatever didn't happen with Yuri Collins. Why you're not playing, you know, uh, the guy from Catholic? Uh, I don't you know. Uh, I just I just don't know, and and it and it all and it all comes back to Barnes just is is he's just stuck in his ways, and um, but 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 this game isn't the problem if you don't lose to Florida, right? If you lose this game, then you're you're like okay, we can't afford to we can't afford to lose maybe but one more game to because. We, it is proven that Rick Barnes has to have that one or two seed to go further. And I just don't know if you're getting the two seed. Even if – I mean, you're staring down the barrel of a loaded gun the, the rest of the way out to go undefeated. Oh, that's a pipe dream. I mean, given yeah. what we got coming up, we're about to have a gauntlet. Like, that's the thing is we just got through what was supposed to be the easiest part of our conference schedule. Now you're getting major Jerry Green vibes. There is a solid chance – that you go four and three or three and four in these last seven. There, there's just no doubt about it, man. And <clears throat> I said it to you know fake Bob on 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 Twitter, and I was like, listen, after Florida, I was like, we're going to have to arguably go undefeated to lose one more game to get that one or two seed. And with this, and with us losing this game, it's virtually impossible now. And so that's why I have, I mean, it's. I mean, I'm still, I'm still going to be happy to be going, but I mean, but we just, it's, it's, we got to face the facts that Barnes has to get that one or two seed if we want to advance, and it's just not going to happen. I mean, it, we're more than likely looking at a four seed this. Year. I mean, Lenardi still has us on the two line. I just saw it come down about 20 minutes ago, uh, but I mean, maybe that's just lip service at this point where we roasted the guy last year. I don't know. I mean, the thing is. I mean, was he really wrong last year? No. Daniel, I have a quick question. So, Rick Bowen said that he wanted Phillips to take the lamp, correct? Yeah, he said, yeah, okay. he did. He, he said he tells him to, to take that. Okay, what what happens if uh, Phillips takes the layup, misses it? Does Rick Bowen come out and, told, and, and say that he wanted Phillips to uh, run the clock out? Probably. Does he switch his answer? Your guess is as good as mine, man. I mean, I mean, uh, you know, safe money would would be to say you're right. Um, but I mean, the only only option there is to take that dunk. I mean, there isn't there isn't no, there is no other answer. But to your question, to your question, I don't. I, I mean, I don't know. I say he probably plays both sides of the, of the coin. Just real, it's really frustrating, especially after the press conference last night. I mean, of course, you know, I've been on the fence with this throughout the entire year. Leaning more towards completely jumping to the other side. I'm completely on the side now after last night. You know, this is the third time this year you've thrown a player under the bus. It's not the first time, you know, this year that he started doing that. And, of course, Daniel, you know what I grew up around. You know who I grew up around. And you know that I take big issue to that. You know, I had I had a real I had a real big problem after he caught out Ziggler after the after the Colorado loss. I I just I just thought that was very poor time. Um, 
I don't know, guys. I'm I just I'm really frustrated with this basketball team, and it's only getting worse. Um, it's only get, it, it's truly only getting worse. But I just I don't understand why we're so. And it has to be that that they are in their own heads on offense because they're so up and down. So they got to be in their head. They, they just have to be. Like they're afraid to, to take a shot, but everything says it's like they got the green light, right? I mean, but what happens? I don't I don't get it, but. Like I said, this team could cut them down. This team could go out the first round, but I, I, I think I'm leaning more on the first round. Uh, just a segue, just a second into the NBA. I'm telling you, I love NBA signing day, uh, free like uh, trade line stuff. I love NBA tra- trade deadline stuff. Well, and we've actually hey, got y'all. a treat for you coming up in the next hour. Uh, NBA Bo from NBA TV is going to be our guest at 7:20. Trade deadline should love be a it. national holiday. Yes. Oh, oh, man, no doubt about it. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. We're just uh, – there's some crucial games going down – coming down the, the top. I have no – I just don't see us. There's no – I don't know. I just – I don't see nothing but a four seed here on out, and then all that does is spell for an, for an, for an early out, early weekend trip. Don't – pack a lot, boys. Have a good night and go balls. Appreciate the phone call, Daniel. Let's get Sharpie in here before we head to break. What's up, Sharpie? Hey, Jake. What's up, buddy? Hey, uh, I think the nation's best defense is what let us down last night. We shot the ball pretty well. And I know Vesco's getting thrown under the bus a little bit too, but he was four of eight from three last night. I mean, that's the thing. And had he not hit those four threes, we may have gotten blown out. I'm not saying – I mean, that, and uh, Robbins was three of four from three. Of course, Lawrence was three of four. And a guy named Wright was two of five from three. I mean, they had career games from three. They had two guys shooting 75% from three, and I don't think we were guarding them close enough on their threes. Oh, they get in their face. Definitely not, especially on that last play. When you have the hottest guy on the court, Sharpie, and you leave him wide open. I mean, not even a guy within 10 feet of it. I mean, I don't know what we expected to happen in that situation, but, I mean, what happened is what was supposed to happen. He gets a wide-open look. He knocks down the three. You know, first time that Jerry Stackhouse has ever beat Rick Barnes, and then we start throwing players under the bus, and I'm starting to sense a lot of people, you know, they're finally just like, I don't, I wouldn't say turning on Rick Barnes, but a lot of people are starting to see what we've been seeing all along. Well, I think what Phillips did was on him. I mean, but he had a great game to that point. He was 4-5 from the field, 2-2 of at the line, and had four rebounds. He played an outstanding game. Did we call a timeout right before that inbounds play where he goes for the home run and ends up wide open? And those guys, like the last caller said, those guys were bearing down on him. I don't really blame him for not taking that, but – I would have taken him and tried to get fouled. Even if I didn't try to dunk, I'd try to lay up. The only question I ask, Sharpie, is <clears throat> sorry. The only question I ask is, would he have taken that dunk, layup, whatever in high school? And I think the answer is a hundred percent, hundred percent yes. And you know he's done it before, right? So the only other reason I see why he didn't do it would be because the offensive fire has been coached out of him. That's really the only explanation I could think of or have for that. 
I think he should have tried to shoot a layup, not tried to dunk it. But those guys were bailing in on him. They were going to foul him. He might have got – it might have been a flagrant foul. I'd say he was going to get hammered on that foul because uh, he was wide open. And I th- and if if Barnes called a timeout right before that play, the, the play was set up beautifully. What was done was beautiful. And I guess Barnes wrote that up. But he should have told him, you know, I, I guess they obviously knew it was going to be Phillips that was running down the length of the court. He was the one who's going to get the ball, possibly. If you get that ball, he should have told him right then, right before the play, if there was a timeout called, I don't know. But Kamwa was 5 of 8 from the field and had 5 rebounds. Triple J played horrible. Tyreek Key was 6 of 12 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3, one of his career games. And Awaka was 4 of 9 from the field with 9 rebounds. We played a great – we had five guys play great offense. Our defense – just let us down. But, I mean, when you've got guys having career games on their threes, and that Robbins lit us up in Knoxville. I went to that game. He lit us up in Knoxville. I mean, you've got a 6'10 guy that can shoot threes at a high percentage. I mean, what are you going to do if you got Dirk Nowitzki out there, you know? I mean, that's the thing. is like we've harped on this team all year because there's not enough offense. And everyone's like, oh, well, they've got a great defense. Well, guess what? That defense didn't win it for us last night. No. All right, guys, your show's doing great. I've waited for about an hour just to get to talk, so congratulations. You're doing great. Appreciate the phone call, Sharpie. Oh, man. Did we really just go through about 50 minutes worth of callers? Basically, yeah, besides your opening monologue, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. I love our callers. I mean, great calls. Every one of them was a great call. I mean. Like my question, you can call it and answer my question. Does Rick Barnes flip the script on that? I think he does. That's a great question. That's going to do it for hour number one. NBA Bo. Bo Estes, the rhyme guy, coming up in the next hour at 720. Excited about his appearance. We're going to talk some NBA trades that are happening. Um, just got one in, actually. Mo Bamba. Mo, Stay with us. Hour number two of Overtime coming up right here on Fan Run Radio.